What's up, Redemption? How you doing? John Hendricks here, as always, for a new episode of the Threshing Floor Podcast. On this episode, we're bringing back an old guest. We're bringing back Jaden Allstead. Joining us here on the episode, we're going to be talking about teams and what that format entails so that you have kind of a primer for what to expect if you want to play that at nationals or play it in one of the side events. And so we've got that. We've got spoilers. We've got some other news and content that's come out in the previous week, plus some tournament results. So we'll jump right into it. Thanks for being here. All right, guys, thanks for joining for another episode of the Threshing Floor Podcast. This is number 37. And on this week's episode, we've got an old friend. It's been a while. How you doing, Jaden? I'm doing all right. How are you doing, Jen? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, up against the gun here to get this recorded for you guys out <laughs> there. So don't fuss at me too much tomorrow when this releases. I just got done with baseball, rushed to the warehouse, to my office, Jaden was kind enough to hang out and uh, join me here late to try to get an episode in. So just letting you guys know that we are up against the gun to get this recorded. So we're doing it. Everything that we do is for you guys. Oh, yeah. That's straight from the heart. Don't you feel that, Jaden? <laughs> All the emotion oh, in sure. here. Yeah, but I will say that I'm planning on fussing a lot. So just be ready. All right. Well, as long as you don't fuss at me about the YouTube version, that it's like <laughs> four views a week. I'll probably fuss at you for the Spotify version because that's what I've started listening on. Oh. Podbean. Yeah. Well, does it go on to Spotify pretty quickly when it's updated? I think so. Last week I I was uh, it, it wasn't like right away because I I got the like Podbean notification and then I went to go check Spotify and it wasn't there and then by the time that it probably was there. I was already going home from work, so I didn't listen to it until the next day. I was uh, a little behind. When I first started, I know that I the way that I do it is through Apple because you know I have you know the best phone, not an Android. I have an Apple device, so um, I use Apple Podcast. And when I first started, as soon as I put it on there, it was immediately available on Apple. And now I've noticed there's like a ten to fifteen minute delay, so. I don't know if that's something intentional from Podbean to try to get you to use their service to get it up to the minute or what, but (laughs) I would just like to state for the record, I think all of that is beyond my control. I just send it to Podbean and they do their thing. Hmm. So, Yeah, I got to figure out how to, uh, I'm I'm sure there's a way to get notifications from Spotify when it comes up, but I still get the notifications from Podbean and then... I got to figure out how to do it on Spotify so that I don't get both. And then I can not have Podbean send me notifications so that I actually get the notification when it's available to me when I, you know, on my preferred platform. Preferred platform. Did you know yep. in other cool news about the podcast and Podbean? Because Podbean does do these statistics for the podcast. So on the dashboard here, I am going just to double check to make sure I don't lie to you. <laughs> Wouldn't be the first time. We are Probably. three downloads away, <laughs> and this does not count YouTube. This just counts Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, those places that are keyed in with the RSS feed for the podcast. Uh-huh. We are three 
streams, downloads, listens away from hitting 3,000 for the life of the podcast. Wow. So, hopefully. Well, I bet by the, by the time that people are hearing this, at least, you know, the first or the, the after the first three people, then we'll be past that. Yeah, because one of those will be me because I always proof it as soon as, like, I try to post it and then listen to it before. That way, if there's any issues with the upload or whatnot. But hmm. anyway, we'll get off of that. We'll, we'll move on. I will say <laughs> in a life update, if anyone is wondering about baseball, I told you this, Jaden, before we started recording, but we played tonight in a win or go home game. And we were supposed to go home, guys. We were supposed to be done with baseball. But we came – so we ended up coming in third place for our district. And they were only taking two from each district to the state tournament that is starting on July 8th. All right. They threw us a caveat after we lost. And I thought, well, at least baseball's over and now I can start to, you know, have some free time from that to where I can focus a little bit more on – more fun things for me, like redemption and getting a deck put together for tournaments leading up to nationals because I still have no idea what I'm going to play. I know. I know, John. Don't build it the night before, but it's looking like I might have to. Uh, but anyway, they let us know that since we play in the toughest division, our toughest district in the state, they're taking three teams. And we came in third, so yay, we're going to state. <laughs> So it was a, a win or go home game that you didn't win, but you also did go home. Right. Well, we went home for a time, but we're coming back. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So we got that also in completely just out of nowhere news. You guys know that I've used a couple of fishing analogies here. Uh, today is a sad day for me personally. So, you know, if you want to share some some pick-me-up type of words once this podcast drops, I sold my boat today, my bass boat. What? I sold the boat because my wife's been working on me to potentially get a pontoon boat. And the reason is, oh, we've got family that could, you know, join us on the water. Then she would go out on the water and my son would go. And it wouldn't just be an enjoyment for me and a buddy. <laughs> it would be an enjoyment for the family. And just after a while, I just ran out of excuses to be like, yeah, you know what? I think I should keep the bass boat. So I sold the boat, made a significant amount of money above what I paid for it a year ago when I purchased it, and I got all the use of a year. So there's that. So Seems good. I just want to let everyone know that included in that extra money is all the money that I'm going to need for nationals. So no worries there. I'm going to be at nationals now, guys. I can afford to make it. All right? You're going to drive the boat there? I would have to steal the boat now, though. Because I no longer own it. Well, well, you got to get the pontoon boat. Oh, the pontoon boat. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know if I'll have one by the time National comes around. Because remember, I'm, I'm showing up on a boat too, if you, if you remember my Jeff. <laughs> yeah. Um, In my Viking garb. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't honestly recall that, but. Oh, it was in, it was in spoiler alert channel, I think, which uh, is completely off topic from spoilers but well in the whole you know getting ready to move warehouses for work baseball thing for the kid and all of the stuff for the podcast and also redoing like our backyard at the house I am I feel like I'm spread I'm a big guy so I guess I'm spread pretty far and that's 
I mean, I guess it's good that I'm elastic or whatever, you know. <laughs> so, uh, but hopefully, I can I can start to focus more on the podcast and kind of bring you guys not rushed episodes in the near future. So, with that, we'll just go right into our recent news. You guys have come accustomed to this, and first up is our boy Jaden, who is on the podcast. So. Do you want to talk about your videos that came out this week? Oh, I suppose I could do that. Let's see. Uh, I had two games, both on Thursday. One of them was a pre-recorded video, which was round two of the Lackey Grand Prix that's currently going on. And that was versus uh, against Rob Smith. I used uh, Peaceful Patriarchs, is, is what I called the deck. as basically just a uh, using the, the Peace... Uh, I don't. I don't really want to call it a combo because it's it's not really a combo, but it, because it's just one card. But it's kind of the the revelation that people had about you know using peace with banding or peace on banding characters and how it still tosses and putting that into the uh, patriarchs shell. Uh, it was actually a deck that Jared uh, or aka him uh, had been uh, put together like most of it or I'm not sure if he actually posted a, a list with patriarchs and peace or at least I think he had peace in the deck but it wasn't like a, a central focus like he had other game plans as well <laughs> and I pretty much didn't I was like going all in on that um, and so that was the the game against Rob and then that evening I also live streamed the round three game with Emmanuel and I used pretty much the same deck but I put a little bit of uh, Rossetti in there and uh, added a new beginning, added a couple of, well, I think Noah was already in the, in the first version, added another Flood Survivor, and then also Three Nails, and uh, that was a pretty fun game. I definitely learned some things about how to improve the deck, but uh, definitely enjoyed playing it, and, and I don't know, might, might try it out for certain tournament coming up this weekend. I don't know, we'll see. I tell you what, man. I just want to, if you're listening to the podcast and you went to build Patriarchs, because I feel like that's one of the natural things because you get Cloud of Witness Abraham, possibly that's 12-12. You get Jacob that's 10-10. You get Meek Judah. I think he's like 11-10 or something like that. Crazy. Mm -hmm. You get a lot of big body heroes that you can put peace on. I just want to know how many people came up with the name that went in the lackey, started building a deck and type titled it Peaceful Patriarchs because I did, <laughs> you did, and I know there's at least one other person out, out there in the redemption community because it was just too easy. It's like it it named itself. Well, see, I was I was trying to think of what I wanted to put in there. And actually in Lackey, I think I just called it Pat's Peace. And I thought about the name just doing like, oh, Peaceful Patriarchy. And I was like, ooh, yeah, that probably wouldn't come across super well. <laughs> So I went with Peaceful Patriarchs. I think that's a good spot for it. I will say I watched both of those because I was interested in this. And when I saw the title, I was like, I'm going to watch that because, yes. Uh, and then you did Rossetti with it. And I was like, I was thinking the whole time with Patriarchs, I was like, I'm at least going to put three nails in here. Yeah. <laughs> and then I, like, I, I wasn't sure if I was going to you know, dedicate the dominant slot to doing the other one. But I was like... Yeah, because if they come out and they get an answer for something, you can at least 
all right, wipe it all and, and start over just to mm-hmm. give. Because I feel like patriarchs are a good shell, but they don't have that. It feels like they're, they're always missing just a punch, like whether that's mid-game or late-game. Like you can set up and get that first rescue or two, and then it's like, okay, now they've got answers to your stuff, and it's – I don't know. And I, I guess peace helps give them another tool, but then adding the reset I thought was cool. But if I did the reset, I would put some soul gen in there because, <laughs> uh, buddy, you, you might need some soul gen. <laughs> How unlucky was it that you reset twice? And then you you were at one point you were like because you had put a new beginning into your discard pile and you had second coming and he had gotten rid of your son of God and you're like yeah I could oh wait this is supposed to be removed and you were thinking about going for a third (laughs) reset (laughs) and Emmanuel was just hitting you with no souls no souls (laughs) (laughs) and I played mayhem too so that was kind of like a third reset but yeah that. Definitely an oversight on my part. That was kind of what I was hinting at with the, uh, that's, that's one thing that I would definitely change in the deck. <laughs> I would say that deck is highly combustible. It's either going to blow up your opponent's game plan or it's going to blow up your own idea of what you're going to do. <laughs> and it's also going to, it's also going to get your son of God banished because he can't play it during battle when your opponent grabs confusion from their reserve. <laughs> yeah. That is, that is key too. So you, you lost your son of God and you had the, 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 the best run of soul drought I've ever seen anyone have was Emmanuel in that game off of multiple <laughs> resets. And then like just off his top deck, he's like, all right, I'm going to draw three, no souls. I'm going to draw three, no souls. And it was just, yep. you couldn't catch a break. And here it, it all comes back to the lackey shuffler. Yeah. He, he underdecked a lot of lost souls in that game. And then after all of the shuffling, still didn't draw him. But Josh says that we can't <laughs> give credence to the uh, our credibility to the lackey ghost. Mm. I'm going to do it when it's convenient for me, though. Although Tyler said that you should get some custom sleeves made that say, I would have won if lackey shuffled. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be pretty go. cool. <laughs> yep. But I did build a deck in lackey last week, and I was like, I'm going to drop exiles in here. And wouldn't you know the first time I did the test – the first three hand opening hands, I had exiles in the opening hand. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean it's one of the lightest cards in Lackey. Like the file size for the image is just barely smaller than the rest of them, and so when you shuffle, it naturally just floats to the top. Oh, uh, that's what it is. Got it. Yeah, I'm a I'm, I'm computer engineering guy here. So, <laughs> so speaking of our friend Tyler Stevens, he has a video out that came out. I think it was shortly after me and Jay recorded, but we recorded a couple of days before it came out. So it's been out for a little bit now, but we're still going to spotlight it here. Ghosties, but not. (laughs) From what I've seen in Discord and from the little bit I looked at the video, I didn't watch the the full video. I didn't have time, and I haven't circled Uh back to it. Shame on you. Well, the only reason I made it yours a priority was it was a deck I was currently working on trying to build. But post-exilix with gospel gold, I believe, is what ghosties are. Yeah. Yep. And I'm not sure what the main purpose is other than getting to use some of the manipulating their hand with the gold stuff that you can use from Gospel of Christ Phase 1, mixing that with kind of the backbone of what post-exilix does that came out in LOC. But that video... 
is definitely on the to-do list. I will watch more than three minutes of it, Tyler. Don't worry. <laughs> so have you I watched think- that video yet? It's it's too late. We're already three minutes past the podcast or into the podcast, so Tyler's not listening anymore. Oh well. <laughs> uh, I was gonna pretend that I had watched the video, but I don't know that I could fake it well enough. Um, I have not watched it yet either. <laughs> but I do think the idea is to basically, get, I mean, get like the the best part of posties, kind of a little bit of the the hand control. And then combine it with some of the best parts of Gospel Gold, which is largely like Jairus and Jairus' daughter. Um, but I think you know, maybe a little bit of Watchful Servant kind of stuff, get some drawing or banding, and uh, you know, getting some of the other hand-controlled stuff in there, like teaching and parables, which, I mean, that goes in, in post-exilics regardless, but just kind of you know finding a good blend that's all in the same brigade i guess that makes sense so that brings us to our other video source for redemption that is rob m studios from rob m in new york and live from new york you have a zoom discord invitational game versus guess who he's back again we <laughs> we've been talking about emmanuel a lot because when i give out tournament standings if he plays he's winning something or placing in something and then right. you had a game versus him in your video that you live streamed on Thursday. And mm-hmm. he was also in the Rob M video this past week. So Emmanuel is just, he's playing everyone. He is getting well seasoned for nationals. I Hopefully he's coming to nationals. <laughs> I definitely will not be, or I, I would be surprised if he wasn't going to be at nationals. Um, and I am not surprised whenever I, I see him uh, or, you know, hear him uh, doing well up there because definitely like uh, been kind of working on, on Daniel forever and kind of getting to the point where it's like, okay, if Emmanuel's playing, if he's playing Daniel, then he's going to do well because that's just like, it's the, the deck that he knows like the, the back of his hand and he's always trying new stuff and I think it's it's been working out well for him. Yeah. So with that, we will mention that the Lackey Grand Prix has round four pairings that went live. So we're recording this late Monday uh, Monday night. And so pairings went up for round four today. I believe it's round four. Is that right? Yes. Because yep, you played yep. round three versus Emmanuel. So round four. And then the Zoom Invitational Series 3 is done. I believe he's had signups for Series 4, and that's getting ready to start um, at some point. I think he was working on getting a time based on what works best for the participants. I think he wanted to avoid the 4th of July week, if possible. But the final standings for the Zoom Invitational Series 3 is our friend Derek Torado, former Your Turn Games owner, goes by the screen name of Watchman. Then... Guess who in second? Emmanuel. And then (laughs) in third, Brandon Swango, I believe is the last name. But he goes by B-Swan on Discord. So that's your top three. Watchman, Emmanuel, or E-Man, and then B-Swan. All right. So that's going to bring us to, those were the unofficial tournaments that are happening. And again, they're helping shape, you know, 
what the meta is and what decks are, you know, rising to the top and whatnot. But where we really tell that is when people get competitive and play in the state and regional tournaments. And last week we told you about a couple of tournaments. Jay mentioned his Midwest region tournament, and then we had the Maryland State tournament. So we've got results from both of those that the host chose to share with us. So Maryland State tournament, we've got type one. Dave Smith came in first. Rob Smith came in second. And Charles Johnson came in third. In type two, Rob M. came in first. Sean Wenzel came in second. And Charles Johnson came in third. In booster, Rob M. came in first. Rob Smith in second. And Charles Johnson in third. I'll tell you what. Our buddy Charles Johnson just couldn't break out of the the third place slot here. <laughs> he was the first three categories. He he got third, but hey, at least you're placing, huh? Yeah, I mean, like third three times. That's basically first, right? Yeah, it it adds up to. I guess I don't know. Don't ask me to do math, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in sealed deck, Sean Wenzel came in first, Rob M in second, and Amanda Johnson in third. There we go. Johnson's maybe it's just the last name kind of thing. Dave Smith and Rob Smith came in first in teams. Amanda Johnson and Charles Johnson came in second. And then Rob M and Sissy M of Cat Incorporated, he mentioned, came in third for teams. I guess that's maybe a YouTube channel. I'm sorry, Rob. I, I said it, but I don't know what it means. Um, <laughs> but anyway. Is that maybe, uh, I think, she maybe been on as an assistant once or twice on on Rob's channel. Maybe don't 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 ask me questions I don't have answers to. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that'll that'll move us to Jay's tournament, and and Maryland State was hosted by our friend Rob M, who drove down to Maryland and hosted it there. Um, the Midwest Regional Tournament was hosted by Jay Chambers, and I don't know if you saw the picture, but he provided his participant steak and oh, yeah, steak and potato that. lunch and i'm just wondering if his brother jerry if does that run in the family is what i'm trying to figure out is jeremy going <laughs> to be grilling up some steaks so if you're hearing this jeremy are you going to be grilling up steaks man because i could i could deal with that i think he said yes yeah i think i heard him all right everybody heard him right there all <laughs> right so in type one for the midwest regional tournament luke marshall came in first jay chambers came in second and Josh Portraz came in third, and he was the special oh, uh, guest that was traveling up to join them. I got a. I, I just noticed this now. I didn't notice when you sent it earlier, but there's only one R. We decided, we we figured this out, and I'm gonna be on on the record confidently saying that it's just Josh Potratz. So there's only Potratz. only the only the second R is the real one. Okay. First one is silent. <laughs> I thought that that would, had been established as well that it wasn't Portrats. It was how did you say it again? Potrats. Potrats. Yeah. Okay. Or like it's it's spelled like pot rats with a Z. Okay. I thought that that was accurate because when he sent in his deck list after nationals last year, it was spelled differently than what I had seen it spelled. But uh-huh. Jay provided me this, so. Jay, Jay, like, come on, man. 
So yeah, he's he's got it easy. He's got a three letter first name, and then a, his last name is basically just an English word. So yeah, well. That's... So anyway, so Josh P. <laughs> hey, Josh P. He got third. Go. Type two was Jay Chambers, and then Luke Marshall in second, and Caden, our favorite crab burrito, came in third. <laughs> Never had one before, but it does sound interesting. I I mean, I guess. <laughs> Depends on where you get it from. If Taco Bell ever offers that in a burrito, I wouldn't take it. That's that's fair. I wouldn't blame you. Then that's going to bring us to Booster. And Jay Chambers got first place there. Luke Marshall got second. And Caden got third again. Maybe they just did Booster and Type 2 at the same time. They just drafted Type 2 decks and... Oh, maybe. <laughs> um, but in sealed, Luke Marshall won. Josh P came in second. And Ron Sias making an appearance here, coming in third for sealed deck. There we go. In teams, Josh P paired up with Caden, Mr. Crab Burrito himself, came in first place. That's pretty pretty cool to see. Um, yeah. And then Luke Marshall paired with Ron Sias and came in second. That's also cool to see. And then Jay came in third with his wife, Alexis Chambers. I just got to say now, though, I don't think Josh is uh, a huge fan of teams. I could be wrong about that. But uh, he has now won both a state and a regional tournament in teams with, with different teammates. So that's uh, he's definitely going to be in the running for oh, RRS. Man. So he's he's following the um, the blueprint for John Early, win with a different partner <laughs> at every chance you get. There you go. Maybe that's who. Uh, maybe maybe he and John will pair up this this year. You know, I don't. <laughs> we we should have circled back to that at some point by now. Who ended up getting the? I, I guess the the spot that was up for grabs for. I mean. To date, probably the only person that sent in a resume or application directly is Ron. So I guess we'll have to see. As far as we know, anyway. All right. So that's going to bring us to upcoming tournaments. And this coming weekend, we have the Southeast Regional Tournament hosted by my buddy, the best Chambers, Jeremy Chambers. And I guess that's going to depend on if we get those stakes or not. Jeremy, it's all on the line, (laughs) man. Jay's coming for your title. All right, so that's going to be July 1st and 2nd, so Friday, Saturday, and it's going to be at the Chambers Farm Event Hall in Center, Alabama, a.k.a. Jeremy's Crib. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, that's not like a, you know, uh, just randomly named Chambers Farm. That's, you know, their actual place. (laughs) Yeah, where if you go far enough in the back, you'll find some chickens. (laughs) But... um, we also have a state tournament that's coming up, and this is one that was postponed a while. It was supposed to happen a few weeks ago, got postponed, and it's coming up. And I guess we've just struck gold because two weeks in a row, I'm going to have someone that's going to attend that tournament, you know, plug it. So here you go, Jaden. Tell us there about you it. Go. <clears throat> yeah, we've got uh, the Minnesota State Tournament coming up on July 2nd, so this coming Saturday. That's uh, going to be a community of Grace Lutheran Church in White Bear Lake, Minnesota, hosted by my brother, Justin, 
And, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll probably help out with the hosting a little bit there too, the hosting duties and, and my sister as well. It's her church that we are utilizing or, um, and so, yeah, I think we're going to have a pretty good crew. I actually had the opportunity to, uh, teach someone brand new to the game last, uh, well, just yesterday, uh, now on Sunday. And, uh, so he seemed pretty interested. He picked up the game pretty quick and he's planning to be there on Saturday. And then also met up with another guy who's getting back into the game, who is uh, just a little bit west of the, the Twin Cities here. And uh, he he came on, on Sunday as well and kind of got a, or we got to play and, and get a little bit back into it for him. So pretty excited to uh, get some, some new faces in there. And this, I think I saw it mentioned before, this is the first state tournament there in a couple of years, right? Yeah, um, we didn't have one last year, and don't think we had one in 2020 either. So, yeah, it's been a while. Nice. It's nice to see. And I, I don't know if, I don't know how many were new versus like last year, whether you held a state tournament, but I don't think Maryland had one last year, um, I guess. Technically, Alabama's not having one because someone was supposed to find a date and send in an application to host it, and they didn't do it. Oh, no. um, I don't know who 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 prioritized other things instead of doing that. But <laughs> um, all right, fine. It was me, guys. I'm sorry. Okay, <laughs> I'm sorry. Unbelievable. Life life called was, up to I me. I was planning to come too. Were you? <laughs> well, I'm going to hold it to you next year. I'm going to pick a date, and you you got to be there. If mm. I'll make you this deal. If you come to Alabama State, I'll come to Minnesota State next year. I could, could maybe make that deal. That's a, that's a pretty good deal. Yeah. I could probably make it, too. My wife won't, won't worry about coming because she's going to be like, ugh, it's cold up there. <laughs> hey, in the summer, it's, it's not too bad. In the summer, it's usually too hot. <laughs> yeah, well... In the summer down here, I hope you're you're welcome for the humidity. Like it's not the heat that you have to worry about; it's the humidity. It's like getting slapped with just 110 percent humidity. Oh yeah, oh yeah, we we got that here too. Oh okay. Just like walking outside, and you feel like you're in a pool. So everyone, make sure you 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 lock it up in stone. Jaden is coming to Alabama State. I'm gonna make sure that I schedule mine first, so that if you don't come, then I can be like, well, I got an out. I don't have to now. Hmm. What if we what if we make it fair and do them on the same day? I'm picking up what you're putting <laughs> down, but I, I'm not really sure that technology is advanced to enough to I don't think you can be in two places at one time. Oh, so I have to be at Minnesota State too. Okay, I suppose. Oh, and just just show up and <laughs> show up. Hey, I'm here. I'm in Alabama. Yeah, just, I'm sorry. <laughs> just be a little swap, you know. I do want to, I tried to do it this year, but I I didn't really get to do it uh, because I wasn't able to make the Maryland State Tournament. But I want to, like, each year pick an additional tournament and try to get to it, uh, like state or regionals, and just try to eventually broaden my little map of tournaments that I go to, Mm -hmm. which is kind of cool. My wife does like to travel so I've got that going for me, except for the fact that she says redemption only happens in the boringest cities in the U.S. <laughs> and when she Googled 
when she Googled um, Iowa, it was not a fun conversation, guys. Like <laughs> she was like, why did they pick just the middle of the middle of nowhere? It's like children of the corn. I didn't even know she knew what children of the corn was. <laughs> it's all right though, because you'll you'll be heard because there are lots of ears around. So, ah, uh, dad joke. Check me out in the dad <laughs> joke channel. Yeah, that one was a little corny. Sorry about that. <laughs> oh, man. It just gets better. <laughs> All right. So we're going to tell you now that Nationals is 31 days away. 30 at the time of this release. And in 13 minutes, it will be on Central Time the next day. So that's how late we're recording this. So I'm almost there. 30 days <laughs> away. We are inside of a month. So you've got 30 days to make your final plans, travel plans, arrangements to get to nationals. You're going to want to be there. So much cool things we've talked about for the last, it seems like the last six months. I mean, I guess close close to that. I, I, I don't know when it was officially announced where it was happening and all of that, but it feels like we've had six months of buildup at this point. Yeah, it's, it's got to be something like that, which uh, isn't the most we've had, but I think it's kind of like the – or it's not the longest we've had, but I feel like it's the most we've had because there's been like so much content and stuff just like building up to it and, and more, uh, more than in the past. But yeah. I will, I should think we should also mention that Roy, uh, recently put on the, uh, the forums, a rideshare thread. Uh, so go check that out. If you're trying to figure out like how to get there, or like if you can, carpool with somebody who might be driving through your state or something yeah so that is available on the boards he put that out and apparently that's kind of a staple thread that he does each year for nationals so yep that's available and with that i guess we will kind of transition into the spoilers that have come out in the past week and we get to double up on israel's deliverance spoilers so I'll let you, if you want to, you can take the two, the first two here, the heroes, and then I'll take the evil characters. Sure. Yeah. So we got two fairly notable uh, first Samuel characters, heroes here uh, that uh, are both pretty central in, in the story of David or like you know, people that you probably heard about we've got abigail she's a purple nine seven hero queen of israel and judah because she was the wife of david and uh her ability is actually it's it's fairly intriguing uh you may choose an evil character to block so this is something that we've seen in kind of uh, more recently in uh, the past few sets of just kind of a general or like more broad like Choosing any evil character to block it used to be on like Ehud and Azahel, and you know, like you can only choose male humans or just humans. And uh, we, I guess, we had just humans on Elijah, and now with the last set, and it seems with Israel's deliverance, we've got abilities that just let you to choose an evil character to block, which is not something I expected from the starter decks, but something I'm definitely excited about. Very playable card. Well, now that you talk about it like that. And they are subject to change. Now they're going to go back and change it to an evil human. <laughs> Thanks, Jaden. 
Oh shoot, yeah. Uh, um, yeah, it's actually a it's a terrible card. Probably won't see any play uh, outside of the starter decks, but <laughs> there you can just edit the first part out, right? <laughs> maybe, maybe not. We'll just leave it in there to kind of force the elders' hands. There we go. Okay. Um, yeah. Now that now, if they do it, it'll be like they're just doing whatever you say, which you know it's a dangerous precedence to set. Next up here, we got Jonathan the Devoted. So David's best friend, the guy that he was like, uh, you know, closer than a brother with. Um, he is a 10-9 purple hero. He is warrior class. And he is also royalty because he was the son of King Saul. His ability is may ban to a purple first Samuel hero, or you may draw two. So it's got a banned ability. And it's got a draw ability. You can do one or the other, which uh, I think people identified very quickly as a very Tyler ability. Um, yes, except for I think Chris must have had influence over this because there's an or clause. <laughs> now, if it did yep. both, that's definitely Tyler. But I think maybe cooler heads prevailed and Chris was like, no, it's one or the other. <laughs> that's how I imagine it went anyway. That, that seems reasonable, yeah. Before I go into the two evil characters here, I just want to point out, because as you were reading the identifiers, every time that I see the Israel's Deliverance, I really, I think my favorite part of the change for the design for the card is the identifiers, having the thin thin gap between the art box and the text box, and then having the, the bubbled identifiers. I think it looks clean and, I don't know, makes it look... Like it pops a little bit more than previous, having it yeah. squeezed in there. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. The first time I saw kind of this format was actually when I first saw Pontius Pilate. And I was like, oh, this looks kind of weird. I'm not sure if I like it, but it's it's definitely grown on me. Yeah. So the evil characters we have, we'll start with the Philistine Governors. And this is a 2-4 Mono Brigade Black Evil character that is Warrior Class. The identifiers are Generic and Philistine. And it says, May ban to a Philistine with strength 10 or greater. Or you may draw one. So again, we have the Oracle. So you get to band to a Philistine with strength 10 or greater. Or you may draw one. Which, when I saw this, I was I, like, I thought about. The fact I don't I don't know how much we've seen as far as like banding from the characters, you know, just you know, collecting my thoughts from our memories from what we've seen without going back and explicitly looking at it. But I do remember the enhancement that we talked about on an episode with Brad and it was like gathering the armies or something like that, to where you can mm-hmm. band to three Philistines. Yep. And so it seems like you're going to be able to, within the starter deck, just make, at some point, a massive band of, like, I, I, at least 30-plus toughness because this has got our uh, strength. You've got 10 or greater banding here. So if this is one of the ones you band in off of that, then you could band to another with 10. You've got our other spoiler here for the evil side is King Akish. It's a reprint using the same artwork. I like that they're using the same artwork so that that's memorable to that guy. Right. Um, yep. But this guy kind of ruins the plans 
if <laughs> you're trying to do that because he's King Akish and the Philistine King, his special ability is negate band abilities. So he's 1110 and he's warrior class, but unfortunately he negates band abilities. So don't use him with the other guy. <laughs> yes. For the starter decks, I don't know how much use or how much you're going to be able to use him uh, without being a solo guy. But then I start thinking about you could technically have a Philistine with, if you were to use this outside of the starter deck, just in the card pool, band to armor bearer and then exchange to Akish. And then it wouldn't undo the band because then it would be an exchange coming in. There you go. So you have ways to to get him in. Although I really like King Akish's uh, original ability that is in rotation already. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not sure that I would ever play this version over that. But it's kind of cool to see negate band abilities as an ability in the starter decks. Also, choosing evil characters to block. You've got band or draw so that you get to choose that on the other two cards here. So it's like there's a, a more scattered spread of ability types to give a good representation of what's available in the card pool. Right. I'm definitely digging that. Yeah. I'm, I'm already like, I, I haven't played any with the starter decks and I'm, I'm pretty much at the same level everyone else is as far as like knowing what cards are in them. Like I, I help proofread a few of them, but uh, I'm, I'm really excited to, to get my hands on these and, and play with them even just for like a starter deck level, because I feel like they have more variety than, you know, the, the previous starter decks, even though like the abilities aren't necessarily more complex. Yeah. I feel like they're more engaging and they will hold the attention of someone that's wanting to learn to play the game right? without having I feel like you'd have to play them several times before they got boring from just seeing them pieced out and obviously without playing them as well. But that's what I think. Especially with these fancy uh, full art borders here too. It's not really full art, but full color. I'm interested to see how those turn out. So that's going to take us to our first phase two spoiler that I have here. And that is going to be magnificent and... It is a white mono brigade good enhancement. Four, three are the numbers. It's identifiers. I think you're supposed to sing the information, John. Oh, I'm sorry. It's a, it's a song. Trust me, you guys do not want that. <laughs> the identifiers are involves music and nativity. It has a star ability to discard an evil card from a reserve. So that's one of those that you love to see that star ability because if you get to do it, it's great. But it's another one that you don't want to see turn one with the knee reserve rule. Mm-hmm. But the ability is if used by a gospel hero, interrupt the battle. Reserve all evil characters in battle. Cannot be prevented if used by Mary, Holy Virgin. And the word from Gabe, I believe he was the one that answered this, is that they have to specify a character so that they know which characters um, or which cards from that character can be used with this. So it applies to all copies of cards that are of Mary, the mother of Jesus. Right. But they had to put a version on here, list it out explicitly so that it wouldn't just say Mary, because then you could do Mary of Bethany, Mary, Mary, anybody, Mary. 
Mm-hmm. So since they specify a way to tell what character that is in the Bible, then only copies of that specific character can make this cannot be prevented if used by. So this is magnificent, and I don't know. I could be completely wrong, but I feel like this is the first card that we've seen that has the 3D art element style to where it's going to actually touch a hair into the white border. Like the foot at the bottom that's behind the cactus game design tag is actually sticking over the edge of the colored portion to where it will spill over just a hair into the white border. I think that's the first time we've seen that, which is pretty cool. Hmm. Yeah, and uh, I thought we... I know that we have some full art to where... Maybe. But, but yeah, it is cool. She's kind of dipping her toes into the the white border at the bottom. <laughs> yeah. So that is that card, and that's going to take us to the next one. You want to give that one a spin, Jaden? Yeah, so we've got one that uh, Joseph Roberts got to spoil because he's been asking, uh, like, I, th- I think it was like once once a week at least, uh, are there any black cards in the set, like, are there any? Are there going to be any new black cards to add to my defense? Because he's he's a notorious uh, black defense player, you know, Philistines, all that kind of stuff. Um, despite him saying, asking in the Discord this past week about orange cards, so I don't know. Maybe he's kind of venturing out because we've got a black and orange evil character here uh, named Afflicting Spirit. Uh, he got to spoil this one. It's a four-two generic demon. It's also a Canaanite, which is where the uh, black comes from. Its ability is you may exchange a hero in battle with opponent's hero. After battle, you may place this card on a good card, negate that card, and paralyze it if it's a if it is a hero. So I think this is a very cool ability. It's not quite a. Uh, it's it's effectively a choose the rescuer hero or uh, evil character. Choose the rescuer evil character, except. If they're banding, then you uh, don't kick out all of the heroes. You only exchange one of them. So it, it works slightly differently. Um, but it is cool because you can, you know, if they've got kind of a, um, you know, a hero that will give you initiative in territory, then you can uh, exchange them. And exchanging does not give special initiative because there is another hero in battle. Uh, and so at 4-2, this guy can get initiative pretty easily. And then after battle, you know, say you have initiative, win the battle, then you can place it. As long as it survives the battle, you can place it on a, a good card, which it doesn't have to be a hero, but uh, probably will often be a hero or maybe a good fortress. And it negates that card and paralyzes it if it is a hero. So it fits in with the place theme of, of orange that we've been seeing so far in GOC. Yeah. I can't wait to, to see some of those orange cards and how they're going to, you mentioned the, the theme of placing cards and it seems like there's so many that place themselves that it's like, how much is too much? Cause right now you're seeing decks that are like pretty light on evil characters. You, you've got a certain amount and then you've got, you know, three to four enhancements in your main deck and then a couple in reserve. But it seems mm-hmm. like there's just so many like good enhancements if you are going into that to where maybe that's where that defense heavy deck comes in and maybe it's orange. Uh, 
Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know, because it seems like there's a lot of them you're going to want to run that are going to kind of flip the numbers of evil character or characters and enhancements that are in decks currently. Right, yeah. I mean, you do have to kind of weigh the options, I guess, because like Orange, uh, when kind of the place concept or whatever was kind of initially started and like priests and um there were some you know cards before then but when orange came out like that was kind of a, a theme or it's like something that you know was maybe dipped into a little bit but it just you know really didn't see much play because they don't normally win you the battle and so having cards like this that can have some kind of impact on a battle and then place themselves and we've seen a few others of those as well i think um uh hate the light you know has a battle winning component and then also places and that was kind of one of the things that over play testing we kind of realized like you know, we need to put some more effects in into here that can impact the battle in order to have a good balance of place cards and battle cards because otherwise the defense is just going to be uh all over the place or you know by the time you get things placed your your opponent's already going to be at four lost souls and you're going to be trying to catch up yeah that's understandable kind of a ebb and flow there with like how much is too much of just the territory interaction and and punishment versus Mm -hmm. the battle aspect so that will take us to betraying christ and this is going to be a crimson and orange enhancement with the numbers of one and five. And this ability says, name a hero. Discard all copies of the named hero. If Judas Iscariot is in play, discard all copies of the named hero from opponent's hand, deck, and reserve. So Judas, he betrayed Jesus. Now he gets to betray Matthew. <laughs> So you get <laughs> to name much, a hero yeah. and get rid of get rid of them, and right now, probably one of the heroes you would want to get rid of the most is Matthew. That's going to be just a speed engine for the opponent. But this is something that does have to be played in battle because it is not territory class. So this is going to be a card that I think sees some play, but i don't I don't know how much just because it doesn't interrupt the battle you have to get initiative with it and then you get to discard the hero um and if it happens to be the hero that's in battle, you're going to put the opponent in special initiative so I think it's a cool yeah. cool concept i i just I don't know about how much play it sees right out of the gate, yeah, I think if anything it's probably a reserve card and then uh, it's you know, matches the uh, two of the brigades on wages, so it, it fits in in most decks that can, that can use wages, and it's also a nice enhancement for uh, Simon the Magician, who's kind of lacking with uh, NT firepower at this point. So um, yeah, maybe he goes in a few decks there, but probably not too many right away. Yeah. I will say it's kind of cool to see some like hard removal of heroes in rotation coming out with GOC Phase 2 here. No, so for sure. There is that. Um, that's going to bring us to Plunderers. And as soon as I said something about Magnificent having the foot sticking over the border, Plunderers <laughs> down here has just the 
tail of a torch sticking up that's going to spill over just a hair into the white border. So breaking news, John is wrong. So <laughs> it's not the first time we've seen it. We've seen it here right under this card, literally the very next card under it. So we've got Plunderers, Crimson, Mono Brigade Evil Character with eight and nine as the numbers. It's generic. It's a thief. And it says, if blocking prevent the next good enhancement played in battle to take it. All right. So that's a kind of a mouthful when you think about you're preventing the next enhancement played in battle to take it. And then it can may ban to a thief or you may bounce a character in a territory. So prevent the next good enhancement played in battle to take it. You do not have to prevent it. It doesn't have to be prevented in order for it to take. So if the opponent plays a cannot be prevented card to get through the prevent, then you can still take it provided it is in play after it, like if it puts you in special initiative or whatever that resolves first. Yep. So there you don't have to, it, it doesn't wipe out the take if it's a CBP enhancement. I think that was one of the, the first questions that came up with it. But this guy looks like a pretty cool card to if blocking prevent the next enhancement. And then you can ban to a thief. So you can ban to like the highwayman and then draw a bunch of cards. Mm-hmm. So that's, that seems pretty solid. Yeah. I mean, I think prevent the next and banned on a big numbered character. That seems pretty good because not only are you preventing the next, but if their battle winner doesn't deal with multiple characters, then they only get to get rid of uh, you know, one of them. And then they also have to have something that CBP or CBN. So uh, I think that that's you know, definitely a, a solid card. Yeah. I think it, it's going to probably see a, a decent amount of play with thieves when that kind of comes out and people start first putting it together. I think this one probably makes the cut from what we've seen. Mm-hmm. So that's going to bring us to Pilfer. You want to take this one, Jaden? Yeah. So this is another little, uh, tool for thieves so get to, to use this 5-1 crimson enhancement it is territory class so uh, that's always that's always fun um get the special ability to uh, you may negate an opponent's card this turn to draw one if used by a thief in battle you may take the negated card unless it is a dominant so this is a card that we did the math at one point and it was uh during playtesting and it was like a five for one because you got to negate something you got to draw something you got to take something and it was all um and it it did like a couple smaller things as well i Um, remember that i remember i remember gabe coming on and he he mentioned it and i think he mentioned that one of the people they had playtesting brought it back to him and they were like this is this is better than a like they thought it was a two for one or something like that. Yeah, yeah, and that was Justin who was like, who who did the math on it because he probably, uh, you know, got it played against him or something like that, and he was like, yeah, you know, trying to trying to figure out why it was why it felt so much worse than it actually was <laughs> or than they thought it was, I guess. Yeah, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I just wanted to recall that. Hey, I remember that story. So old yeah, man brain yeah. isn't getting to me so so much right now. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so yeah, this one you can negate an opponent's card. You get to draw a card. 
And then you also get to take the negated card unless it's a dominant, but the you only get to take it if you play it in battle. So that was, I think, the the part that changed or one of the parts um, that you weren't able to take the card unless you, uh, or I see you were able to take the card previously, even if you hadn't played it in battle. Um, but I do think the dominant stipulation was there. So no free woes for, uh, for you, but uh, still a very solid card. It's, you know, at the very least it can, you know, turn off someone's, storehouse for a turn or something and draw you a card if you play it in territory then also in battle it uh, you know, can be a good negate and then um, you know, a, a take for you to use later all right that's going to bring us to anna the widow and this one was spoiled by our friend that it's on the podcast and he <laughs> was having a little bit of a guessing game and I kind of ruined the fun by just saying what the card was. So sorry for that. (laughs) I mean, that was kind of the point of the game. So (laughs) I think the way that I I decided what it was, was I decided what I thought it might be like to card type. And then I just started at the top of the list. And the first one that hit, I was like, yeah, that's probably it. (laughs) So fair enough. Yeah. Find the alphabetical order or or not order, I guess, chronological based on the numbers of the set. So, mm-hmm. well, so the way that it actually happened was that, uh, you know, Gabe to, to both Joe and I, he was like, all right, got these four cards and you guys want to pick two of them to spoil. And so we, we each picked one and then, uh, because, you know, we had, we had so much fun with it, with the, the games, they were like, all right, well, you guys can you know do the other two on Monday. <laughs> and so that's, uh. Nice. I guess I shouldn't have picked Anna first is is what you're telling me. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> but, oh well. So Anna the Widow, she is a dual brigade hero who is green and white and has numbers of two and four. She has identifiers of nativity, profit, and an X identifier, which equals one or three if opponent has hand advantage. So... I think I don't I don't want to speak out of pocket here, but I don't know if I recall any cards that have like a hard number X equals a hard number, but then some other condition makes it change. I know that we have the X identifier that's dynamic and it changes, but this mm-hmm. one is one or three if opponent has hand advantage, not number of cards in opponent's hand or anything like that, which is kind of interesting to see. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was very clever, like a good use of it. When I first saw it, I was like, oh, well, that's like, it It makes perfect sense, but it's not something that, you know, we would kind of think of, or when we think about an X thing, it's just a, a variable, but here it's just either it's one or it's three, and that's it. Yeah. And so the special ability is you may look at the top three cards of a deck, and that's any deck, a deck. So your deck, opponent's deck, teammate's deck, anything, a deck. You may underdeck all three of the cards that you look at or reserve up to X evil cards or take up to X uh, good cards you own. So you're looking at three cards, then you can underdeck all three. You can reserve up to X evil cards or take up to X good cards you own. So if you're choosing to underdeck all three, then you don't have any 
targets for the other abilities because you do them in order. So if you're underdecking, they just all get underdecked. So if they contain souls and you're trying to hide souls, you do that. Otherwise, you're choosing not to underdeck all three. Now you can reserve up to X evil cards, which is going to be more so if you're doing it for your opponent's deck. And then, or take up to X good cards you own. So you could just take either one or three if opponent has hand advantage. So Anna the Widow is actually, it seems like a pretty strong ability. Instead of yeah. look at the top, whatever. And then that's based on the number of how many of this, you know, nativity heroes you have in play, for example. You're always going to look at the top three. And then you're always going to be able to take at least one. Or mm -hmm. you're going to take all three, potentially. So it's not as, like, she can come out without a big board set up and still get her look at the top three cards and do whatever. Right. Which a lot of them, you know, like Jfeth or whatever, relies on Flood Survivors or... Something like that. Yeah, I like how you know, flexible she is and having all those options, even in like a relatively simple ability. Like there's not a whole lot that's complicated about that once you kind of just, you know, read all of the words and put them together. And the other thing is you don't have to underdeck them or take anything or reserve anything. You can just leave all three on top right where they are if you're, you know, don't see any lost souls in there and you're happy with that or... If there are lost souls, you can underdeck them, like you were saying, and try to hide lost souls. So there's some good like flexibility and, and utility with that kind of ability. That was a lot of abilities. Yeah, I think she's she's a pretty nifty little character that you're going to be able to put into, you know, green splash, white, nativity. So she seems like a, a decent card standalone and be able to use her ability without having to force it into the nativity stuff. And she has mm -hmm. the Prophet Identifier, which is always fun because then you can use things like two bears or whatever on her as potential battle winners. Yeah, and she's got a chicken in the picture. So so Jeremy, go, Jeremy Chambers has a new favorite card. <laughs> <laughs> wonder if that's the first chicken on a redemption card. I don't know. It's the, um, it's the trivia for this week or something. Yeah, so if it's you find if you find a picture of a chicken on a redemption card that it's not Anna the Widow. Send it to me. I'll get you some kind of prize. Which, speaking of, that reminds me that I owe somebody a prize for the guessing the special guest that I did. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So, before I finish this episode, I'm putting it on you to remind me to pick a winner for that. <laughs> Do you already have the winner, or are you like... I, I don't. I don't. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, I have... I think it was between two people I was I was debating on. Gotcha. So I'll have to, you know, touch up on that. Um, right, right. But the next card is going to be Flight into Egypt. This is going to be a dual brigade good enhancement, and it is the numbers of four and two. And the brigades on it are silver and white. And it is nativity as an identifier. The star ability on it says protect good nativity cards from harm until end of turn, which is pretty useful especially considering you can use the star dominant in battle to boom, protect until end of turn oh, yeah. or something like that. But then the special ability, the regular ability is if opponent has hand advantage, negate and reserve an evil card, which is pretty solid. If opponent has hand advantage, which you're wanting them to with nativity, you get to negate and reserve an evil card. So the, the broad targeting of an evil card being, you know, fortress, 
technically, I guess it could be a dominant if they have an evil three woes. It could be an evil character, evil enhancement that's placed. Kind of a a cool card, especially when the fact that if you're playing it with nativity, you get to use that star ability potentially multiple times in the game. So I think it's a, a pretty decent card for nativity. Yeah, for sure. And we're kind of seeing like just with these first two cards, a little bit of overlap, it seems, with the uh, kind of NT gold theme of you know, reserving cards instead of doing anything else with them like discarding them or whatever so i think that that's uh um kind of cool to see that you know spilling over into other themes and making some use of that kind of uh unique ability that hasn't been touched on a whole lot until this set yeah and with the green on anna that kind of reserves evil cards i guess they're trying to help you out with the force delivered play so there is that. <laughs> yep, yep, exactly. But if you want to take the next card, mostly because I didn't want to have to try to pronounce it. So <laughs> I kind of wondered if that's if, if yeah, that's, that's why I did the double here. and then yep. left you with that one. <laughs> <laughs> so the next one here is the one that I spoiled today. It's called Nunc Dimittis. That's my best uh, Latin there. I believe that's Latin. We should just take the N off of the beginning and just be like Unc Demitis. You know, like how people call their uncle my unk. <laughs> uh-huh. Yep. This is uh Uncle Demitis. <laughs> um, so this one, I guess if if you guys were paying attention to the uh spoiler channel earlier today, you already know all of the the features of it, like how many words are in the, the star ability and and by today I mean yesterday. <laughs> Um, but I'll, I'll still read them off for you guys. So the numbers are two, three. It is a tri brigade enhancement. It is clay, green, and white. It involves music. So you can grab it with your, uh, music leader and all that other, uh, you know, David's harp, that kind of stuff. And then it's also a nativity enhancement it is the, was the, the song of Simeon, uh, which, uh, I won't get into that. That's getting ahead of ourselves here, I guess. Uh, <laughs> the star abilities negate lost souls until end of turn. And the enhancement ability, that special ability, is discard an evil card. You may top deck a good card from deck or take it if opponent has hand advantage. So, of course, my, my first thought is, ooh, top deck a good card. You can use that with Jeshua. Good application there. Uh, you could also use the whole hand advantage thing that nativity is trying to do and just take a card from your deck. So this is kind of a hark back a little bit to like old, old school search where, you know, you have to, you're playing a tutor that's not territory class, which is kind of cool, but you also get the benefit of discarding an evil card. So it could be an evil character, could be, uh, you know, an evil woes, could be an evil fortress. And then you get to, Go grab something from your deck or top deck it if you're uh, if you have hand advantage or I guess more specifically if your opponent does not have hand advantage. Yeah, so when you're playing into your opponent's undesirables and you know they're about to give it to you, instead of just going into battle resolution, you play your Star of Bethlehem, and then you activate the star here to negate lost souls until end of turn, so they can't there do that go. on you. 
So after you get the use and it's in your discard pile, you get another use out of it. So that's a that's a pretty cool card. And I oh, think yeah. I think the involves music and nativity there make it to where I don't know how many nativity uh tutors we've seen so far, but um I think we've seen a couple. But the involves music means it's going to be able to be searched out. So definitely going to be a card that's easy to get to, I think, being a star card with Emmaus Road. It's, you know, three mm-hmm. pretty popular brigades. Clay just got all kinds of searching cards. It's a gospel enhancement. So getting to this card is not going to be a problem. Uh, oh, yeah. It'll be interesting to see how much use it gets based on what all is available in the, I guess, enhancement spread of nativity cards mm-hmm. versus, you know, just using some that necessarily aren't, are I guess, are not necessarily nativity that are already in the card pool. So I guess interested to see how much use this one gets because I think it is a solid card. It has utility with nativity and just being able to be searched so many ways. Like if it's in your deck, you can get it basically at will. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those cards that it's definitely going to fit the best in nativity because you're already kind of leaning into that hand advantage thing, but the brigades make it splashable enough where unlike flight into Egypt, you know, it does things other than the hand advantage stuff and you can you can splash it into with other brigades and it's uh, might see more use among other decks than just nativity. Also, notably, it's the first non-Tissot art that we've spoiled from GOC tonight. <laughs> really? Look at you yep. paying attention here. <laughs> and then two of, two of the Israel's Deliverance were also Tissot art. Oh, yeah, yeah. That'll bring us to Simeon the Devout, and this guy is Dual Brigade Good, hero, obviously. He is four and five on the numbers. Green and white are the brigades. He is Nativity and Prophet on his identifiers. And let me tell you about this ability. May ban to a New Testament prophet, or if opponent has hand advantage, they must underdeck an evil card from hand. Cannot be prevented. So I don't know if this works as well as it does in my head, but I feel like what is the card that, that does it? The uh, cherubim that bans to a green prophet or whatever. Mm, I yep. feel like that card's going to get paired with this at least early on. Someone's going to play angels and just tag this guy on as a under deck and evil card from hand on top of that and potentially – um, with, is it, I think it's Gabriel that still discards an evil card from the deck. So I just think, I think this guy's going to get used and he has the cool identi- or, uh, modifier of cannot be prevented. So he's going to work through some things. It's a pretty cool card that I'm, I would assume, especially in like booster draft, when we do that, just, if opponent has hand advantage and you're trying to have them have a hand advantage with nativity under deck and evil card from hand, it's so good to be able to get evil cards out of the opponent's hand. And you can pair that up with, depending on what brigade you're in, you can use the enhancements that you have that get cards out of the opponent's hand, probably put enough of those abilities together to wipe a hand of battle resources. Yeah, for sure. Kind of a, Jehu uh, hand control theme that's you know, spilling a little bit over into uh, the uh, New Testament here. 
I think Simeon's a pretty pretty solid card. And if you're keeping up at home, he can ban to a New Testament prophet. And Anna the Widow, for example, is a New Testament prophet. So there you go. There you go. Yeah, just like so the I guess the first Simeon was meek. The warrior Simeon just banded to any good prophet. And then the disciples Simeon banded to a New Testament prophet. So he's he's kinda going uh going back to the old school days of, of being able to band to a prophet. They kept that around. Yeah, which is pretty cool. So I guess that will finish up our spoiler section and that'll bring us to the main conversation that we're going to have. And we've been planning this for weeks, man. Like we put so much thought into this. We put a lot of thought into it. Like when I told Jaden that we could talk about this, you know, at 1130 tonight or whatever, Mm -hmm. I don't know, 1030, whatever (laughs) time it was. Time is just running together. So we haven't put that much thought into it, but we thought it was a great topic to share because it's one of the categories at nationals for you to play, but then it's also in the side events and that is teams. So Mm -hmm. it's something that I, I enjoy more than I thought I would. I definitely enjoy it more than multiplayer. So that is key. Um, Mm -hmm. But teams. And so we're just going to kind of talk about teams and how it differs from what people might be used to with type one, type two, and talk about that if you have not played teams so that you kind of have an idea and, you know, it's just on record for you to have some information on it if it's a category that you want to try playing. So, Jaden, tell yeah. us about teams and how different is it from type one in your expert opinion? <clears throat> yeah, so, I mean, for one thing, it's, uh, you know, it's their type one these days or, you know, since the in this past season i guess now only has officially been a two-player category or offered as a two-player and so now teams kind of is the the only official multiplayer format so you you know are playing with other players but it is a little bit like a two-player game because it's you and someone else against you know two other players that are on a team so hence the name uh, so it's definitely a slower game in the sense of like it it takes a little bit longer to figure things out because you kind of got to coordinate with your teammate and it is kind of fun because there is table talk like you can say whatever you want uh, as long as it's in english i guess like that's actually a a rule that you and your opponent can't be speaking a different language or i guess you and your teammate can't be speaking a different language um but you can just be like all right i've got you know, these are my options to block. Is this you know going to work, or like, do you have something better? Or you can also, um, you know, just try to to hide your your interactions by kind of like having some synergy or something with your teammate. Like, you know, I've been teaming up with uh, Justin for a number of years, and so we kind of just have, you know, an understanding of of a few things, and it's a lot of fun to uh, to try out and then to you know, get experience in, like, I think all throughout, it's a, it's a good time. Yeah. You mentioned the, uh, table talk and I was not aware there was table talk because I had only played teams a couple of times before nationals last year. And we sit down first pairing me and Jeremy 
after staying up all night building our deck. Again, John, I know, don't build it the night before. Would you stop? <laughs> Get off my back, man. Uh, I just feel the weight of his judgment on me. <laughs> but anyway, so me and Jeremy, <laughs> me and Jeremy built built our deck, and we took a version of like King Noah into teams, and it, you know we thought we were going to do okay, but didn't expect to win or anything, uh, just because we put last minute thought into it. But of mm-hmm. course, we pair up with you and John Early <laughs> in the first round, and. Um, proceed to get beat 5-0, but you guys opened up, and I think it was like off the star ability. You were like, "Do you do you need a hero? I, do you have a hero? Do you have?" Mm-hmm. And then one of you used like a Maus Road to look at a hand and just start calling out the cards, and I'm like, "Whoa, <laughs> you can't do that!" <laughs> Turns out like, you can. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, "Oh, okay." Yeah, I, so I, I enjoy that aspect for sure. So. It's kind of a like you you assume that there's no because most card games even if you're playing teams like I've I've known some I've known some people that when it comes to card games that are in teams and there's one game in particular that you split off into teams and you count books and if you talk across the table you might get ran out of the game and that's spades. <laughs> Um, I don't know how popular that is in the rest of the country, but here where I'm at, you get together, you play spades, and if you're playing spades and you talk across the table, then boom, it's like a cardinal sin you've broken. <laughs> so, like, I had that thought, and then you guys just start rattling off, and I was like, oh, man, this is going to be a long game. And then, of course, I had the the complete chance to nerf John's play on the first turn by playing Destruction of New Houston and getting rid of his hidden treasures, but I didn't do it because I was holding it for a more opportune time that I never saw because <laughs> yeah, you guys outpaced us. Definitely isn't a good time. <laughs> yeah, well, so that was that was my experience of learning that you can talk across the table, and in mm-hmm. fact, the best players do it. <laughs> yeah. That, I think uh, your destruction play is probably a good uh, you know, point to make about teams of like, you really don't want to like, you don't really have to pace yourself as much as in type one in terms of like, you know, waiting for an opportune moment for something. Like if, if they're doing something that seems good and you have a way to disrupt it, you should take the opportunity to do it then because teams games, tend to you know, take longer, like I said, and so you, you don't get you're you're not gonna get as many turns as you will in a type one game. Definitely. Um you're you can just go ahead and kiss turn three goodbye. If you don't win on the first two turns, homie, you've <laughs> lost. You've lost or you've timed out. Um right. so because really and this is the next question we have here is our next point to make is it's almost like you're already on turn three when turn two comes around. And when you're on turn one, you're really on turn two because teams has something called intro prep, which is where you draw your eight cards and everyone gets to go around and play things like territory class. Um, I think you can even play dominance. What are the limitations in the intro prep? And then how do 
you as a seasoned teams player, how do you try to leverage that into, you know, having a strong turn one once the battles start happening? So, I mean, there is literally no difference between intro prep and your regular prep phase. So anything that you could do in your regular prep phase, you can do in intro prep. You can put down any characters, you can activate an artifact, you can put down sites and occupy them, you can put down fortresses and all that, play territory class enhancements. So really what people try to do in intro prep is just kind of uh, try to establish counters is a big thing. Um, you can put down heroes, like if, you're, if your teammate's going first and you know, you've got some synergy on your offense with like banding or something like, you know, I've got my Anna the Widow and John's going first and you've got your your Simeon and you can tell me in your opening hand like, oh, hey, I've got Simeon. And so I'll be like, oh, OK, I'll put down Anna so that you can ban to her on your you know, when you take the first turn. Uh, so it's just kind of, you know, doing a little bit of uh, planning with your teammates, setting up things like, you know, counters and then also you know, getting out cards that uh, typically don't get any value on turn one in, in type one. So like storehouse or, you know, other upkeep trigger cards, you can you know, get those out. And then as soon as you actually start, like you're you know, going into your first turn that you'll be able to attack, you've got those triggers that you can use. So you can, well, I guess you can't use storehouse because it's still the first round for reserve access, but you know, you, you know what I was getting at. <laughs> yeah. So what are, I guess, there's deck building rules that, you know, basically make the two decks operate as one deck in terms of unique cards. So you get seven souls at minimum, just like in a standard 50 card deck, seven mm-hmm. souls in both decks, but you can't duplicate souls because souls are unique cards. And then dominants are the same. They're all unique. So you have to run a different seven souls, a different seven dominants. So you end up in the game having a more widespread, like you have to worry about someone having pretty much every one of the top, at least the top 10 dominants. And then maybe they, you know, pick a couple of different fringe dominants or whatever, but Mm -hmm. you're going to see mayhem. It's not a, if they're running shipwreck, one of the two decks will have the shipwreck in it. And then, you, so you have to you have to plan for or not not necessarily plan but just be aware as the game unfolds that more dominants are at play than just the seven that you have to worry about when you're playing a standard you know two player game in type one and I don't really know about type two because that's your that's your squeeze not mine <laughs> um, but I mean that's that's something that really does take a little bit more I guess experience playing because it's something that like I picked up on as we played and as we've played teams since or whatnot, um, me and Jeremy, that you just have to be – somebody's got Angel of the Lord. They didn't cut Angel of the Lord and Christian Martyr, you know, which in most decks now you're, you're using one or the other, and some decks aren't using either, but you're going to see them in team. And souls are the same way. You're going to see more souls, which also makes the decision to play because you share Land of Bondage. Um, mm-hmm. I guess it makes deciding to go the Old Testament unity or New Testament unity or, you know, not playing unity either way and just kind of having the best of both. But, you know, cutting out like Covet or um, what's the one, the New Testament card that you 
you have undesirables undesirables and then obviously we're picking up i think there's another one with one of the one of the ones in phase two is going to be um think, uh, unity uh, as well defiled. defiled oh okay so so maybe right now you're just picking between covet and um undesirables but i mean that's still a decision you have to make and then you have to make sure that you don't break unity from either deck so you have to keep well, that in mind so actually um and this will kind of maybe get into or so the the way it works with unity is that it's only cards that you own and control um so cards that your teammate has in your territory that's shared among you so lost souls primarily are um the the unity only counts your cards so oh, so generally and- the the uh, strategy, I guess, or kind of the, what you want to do when you're building your deck is one of you has OT unity, so you can u- utilize Covet and all that. Uh, and then one of you has NT unity, so that you can now you know, utilize the undesirables and the, the new ones that are coming out in phase two as well. And see, this is why we got second at nationals last year, not first. <laughs> as, see, I still don't know the rules, so... That's why an episode like this might be important for someone that's wanting to try out teams. I like how you let me go on that whole spiel and like stumble through it. And you're like, yeah, actually everything you said, bro, <laughs> wrong. You were, you were just on a roll. I didn't want to interrupt, you know, I'm a, I'm a Minnesotan. <laughs> we don't, we don't interrupt up here. <laughs> well, we um, do down here. I tell you that. Have you met Jay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, now yeah, now that he's he's moved up to the the Midwest, maybe we'll see what what happens there. <laughs> um, but on a, a similar note, I guess the other cards that you share, um, so there's kind of a, a common part of your territory. So that would be your your land of bondage, and then also fortresses and dominance are shared. So for dominance, that means that your Glory of the Lord is going to uh, be shared, which, I mean, uh, the reason that they kind of, that they did that was because Glory of the Lord places on fortresses. Um, At least I I think that was kind of the main reasoning behind it. Uh, So that's technically in in both players' territory. And then also uh, it means that your three woes, once you place it in your territory, that's actually active for both players. So on my upkeep, I'm going to be able to negate something for one round. And then on um, my teammates upkeep, they will also be able to negate something for one round. Now, what I'm not sure at, at one point it was where it would actually go for the entire round. So you would actually have a three woes that was targeting two different things. And I believe that that is still the case because um, the, the precedence with Noah's wife where she uh, can kind of be targeting multiple things at a time once you place multiple uh, flood survivors down or put them in play. Um, for some reason, I'm, I'm thinking that that might have changed, but I don't think that's the case. All right. It's, it's 1243. Call Marcus. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. Let's not bother Marcus. But Oh, okay. Yeah. I'll put my phone back. No, no. <laughs> I um, think... I think honestly, like I think I recall at some point 
it coming up and being mentioned that if you choose a new target, then it stops the previous target and just but each each player can choose a new target on their turn so they can update it as necessary for their setup. That's that's possible, yeah. I, I just couldn't think of why the Noah's wife precedence, so to speak, would not apply. Maybe she has a similar thing now where she can only target one card at a time. Like if you play another Flood Survivor, then she's only negating that. Um, I, I think she, she still targets multiple, but like her claws has... If a if you put a flood survivor in play from hand, so I I guess because you can do that multiple times, maybe I I, I don't know. This is this is a tangent that I am not prepared to uh, have an answer for. <laughs> all right, all right. Let's hour. move on to fortresses, <laughs> and so they're they're also shared, which means that you know storehouse protects both teammates' hands. Index and they are also the, confusing. Yeah, they there there are also, um, I think, you know, a good uh, thing to 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 think about when you're building your deck because you don't want to have like the same fortress in in both decks because you can only have one unique fortress in play at a time, and so that'll be between both you and your teammate. And I think that that was something that was established pretty much right away in teams that was like, okay, doubling up on fortresses is maybe not the the best thing. Um, I don't know that it would have been too bad, but I think it's kind of a cool... Double Throne of David? That'd probably be pretty bad. Well, I mean, the thing is that it's you still get double only from one copy by sharing them. So, I don't know yeah. why exactly they're unique, but... I think it's a, a cool aspect of teams that, like, you know, you, you have this at least one other thing that's shared. Um, I guess you do share sites as soon as they're occupied. So you yeah. because you share a land of bondage, you share only occupied sites because when they're not occupied, they're not in your land of bondage. Maybe may a surprise to some people. but Even though everyone puts them in their land of bondage, they are just in territory unless occupied. Right. Um. Another thing is artifacts. Artifacts are unique to each player, but if you have an artifact that can be placed on a shared card, so a fortress that is shared by each player, and you put an artifact in, then both players can get the benefit from said artifact. So Book of the Law in Solomon's Temple, for example, both players can trigger that. Right. Things like yeah, that. If you activate Book of the Law in Solomon's Temple, I can't activate my own Book of the Law in my artifact pile because then I would have two artifacts in place. So you kind of have to um, yeah, uh, be aware of that as well, that you're not like, oh, shoot, like now I can't activate my own. And so then, you know, we, we don't, or we, we only have one copy and it's more vulnerable, I guess, or... Whereas having you know the two individual ones might be better, but yeah, but you could you could also put it face down, right? Even while it's in play, you can you can still put it face down, oh, even yeah, though yeah, yeah. you already control one, so it'll be there if you need it. Right. Um, yep. Also, um, I guess that means that since sites are not shared, um, since sites are not shared, they're in territory. Um, you can only put souls in regular sites, right? You can't put 
you can't put a soul in like um what's the one I'm thinking of? Ends of the earth, something like that. You can put a lost soul in it. I don't know why you ever would, but you can. Well, I guess to, maybe to get so a lost soul, but so both opponents can or both players can use it because you don't share the site unless it's occupied. Right, so, but you can't add a site to battle if it's occupied. Oh, okay. So yeah, I figured there was some kind of stop there. Yeah. Um so I think that's most of the the kind of shared cards that kind of make things convoluted a little bit. And these are things that as you play the format, like I'm still learning the format or whatever. I wouldn't say that I'm great at it, but I do enjoy mm-hmm. playing it. And I think each time you play, you learn something that you didn't know before. You're, you're getting better at, you know, recognizing things a little bit quicker and how things interact and these cards interact with you having multiple opponents and a teammate. Um, I guess, let me ask you, how do, um, like when me and Jeremy put our decks together, obviously we kind of, I guess the dominant and lost soul package for one player might be different than it is for the other player as far as like the strategy. So if you want your cards that are like your your blocking enhancements, or uh, I'm sorry, blocking dominance, you might want those with the deck that has the weaker defense. Something like that. Um, so how do you align the the decks within a team? And then is there a primary purpose for one deck versus the other? Um, so, like, you have one deck that's better at rescuing than one that's better at blocking, something like that. So I think that, I mean, that was kind of a thing that people, I think, really early on into teams, like, I guess people who are brand new to teams will especially will will think, like, okay, I'll have a really big defense and you'll have a really big offense. Like, we'll just kind of split it up that way. And it it seems kind of, it seems reasonable from the outset or just kind of, you know, as a a theory. But in practice, it doesn't actually work out all that well because, you know, the the defensive deck might be too slow and, um, you know, it just can't, uh, you know, keep up with both opponents. And so you have to really maximize your opportunity to rescue twice in every time around the table, because you know, the way that you're, since you and your teammate are both working toward the same goal of, of five lost souls, theoretically the turn or the game can end on the first turn of the second round. So if you, know, you rescue then they go, then I rescue, and then they go, then you rescue again, and then we play the big two, and we're up to five. And so you really want to make sure that both decks are uh, competent, I guess, you know, capable of uh, having good rescues. And I don't think that splitting up the um, the dominance to like, you know, putting your blocking ones in the deck with the weaker defense necessarily is always uh, the right call because, um, I mean, you, for one, you can kind of dom block for your teammate or I guess the way that blocking works in general in teams is that you as a team collectively decide who's going to block any given rescue attempt. Uh, so I think that in general, most people will have you know, basically a normal type one deck that has kind of the lost souls and the dominance and maybe a few of the utility cards adjusted for 
you know, being in a, a team. So like, you know, if you run storehouse in your deck, you only need one teammate to, to run storehouse or like, so if you're, um, you know, really want to synergize your decks, then you might look at those kind of things. It doesn't necessarily like this isn't to scare anyone from playing teams at a competitive level with decks that aren't necessarily synergized, like two basic or like you know, unique type one decks where you just swap out the lost souls and dominance to make the decks legal is perfectly reasonable and can do well. But I think um, once you uh, really kind of focus on how your decks work well together, like I mentioned banding earlier, like, you know, if I have heroes that you can band to and we really can, you know, utilize each other's offense to maximize our, uh, both of our rescues like that was the big thing with the hidden throne that john and i were using is you know we're really capitalizing on you know i can band to his abigail and then to my david and then you know get the the drawing out we can if we you know, draw kind of both halves of our offense then we each have each other's or we, we each have the whole offense and so that's really how you know, where the, the strategy comes in um, with kind of the decks in general. And then with dominance, I'd say uh, generally what people will do is split up the, the good dominance and the evil dominance for the most part, because then the person with the good dominance, they can use their second coming in in a pinch to get you know, one of their other dominance that they, they might need. And then uh, for... Uh, they could also use cards like uh, Woman with Child or um, what's the, the new one? Is it the Annunciation that lets you search for a good dominant? Um, the, it's in phase two. And so using cards like that, you can you know, give yourself some variety of options. And then similarly on defense, you know, if, I'm, if, if one of us is using Wages of Sin, um, <clears throat> then you can... You know, use the, the do the evil dominance like the the shipwreck and Christian martyr and chronicles. You know, have those targets for uh, or for wages, and so kind of like looking at those, are, I think, are kind of the main uh, you know, ways to to synergize your decks between teams, or I guess within a team. <laughs> yeah, that all makes sense. I guess to clarify something you mentioned using. You mentioned getting the two free ones there or whatever mm-hmm. in a previous previous bit. I guess explicitly this should be said. It should go without saying um, just because we said that at the top of this that the decks basically, you're putting them together, but they're still operating almost like a single deck in that you don't duplicate um, unique cards or whatever. But you cannot have Son of God and Chariot of Fire. So one one player can't have Chariot of Fire and the other one have Son of God. And then you can't have second coming and new Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. You have to you have to pick whichever two of the free ones. So there is only ever going to be two free ones, unless you're doing something with clay and getting eternal inheritance. I guess both players could still play that, something like that. But beyond that, as far as dominance go, you're using Son of God or Chariot of Fire, and then the second coming or new Jerusalem. Right. So just to put that explicitly on the record there, let me ask you what, uh, because like we, we took kind of 
the deck that I wanted to play in Type 1 last year but didn't get to because I was afraid of how it would be hurt and hampered by all of the counters to Love at First Sight. So I ended up not playing it for Type 1, but we used that to kind of build out our Type 2 deck. Or I'm not Type 2. See, don't get excited. I'm not playing Type 2. Teams decks. You're just you're just thinking in the into the future. Like, <laughs> oh, I'm going to build a Type 2 deck at some point. In our Teams deck, we use the basic premise of King Noah and using that with mostly Philistine defense, but trying to trigger Goshen by having a meat come in at the end of a band, things like that. Mm-hmm. So since I have limited, like, that's my main thing, and then just things that we put together for this season so far, which I don't really want to share because I'm trying to win. But <laughs> what overall strategies are viable in teams or what have has been viable throughout the, the years that you've played teams? Yeah, so I guess, I mean, the, the most success I've had in teams has come using the Hidden Throne deck uh, that you know, John and I used last year. Uh, Justin and I took first with uh, that in 2019 as well. And it's I think just decks like that that are... Um, like I mentioned, like the banding part that really just like work together once one of you is part of the offense, which, you know, I think that that's, um, that, that gives you like the rest of the offense. And I think that that's really like how you can maximize your potential in teams, you know, decks that, um, you know, aren't quite as, uh, center, like they're like King Noah, I guess I feel like there's a little bit of, you know, you're just trying to do your thing, then your teammates trying to do their thing at the same time. Even if they're the same thing, there's not a whole lot that overlaps. Uh, although I guess maybe like Goshen, you know, because you guys Throwing share shots, that. bro, man. It was my first time. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just but offering yeah, that, advice. That, this is constructive criticism. <laughs> yes, definitely. Like, I understand because we only set up in, I think we played four rounds for teams. And we only set up King Noah for either one of us in two games. Now, the one game that we set it up um, early, like I, I think I had it on the first rescue. Like, I mean, it just walked in for every soul. And mm-hmm. I think we won that game 5-0 against Emmanuel and John McAlesian. And mm-hmm. then I think we pulled it off again against Rob and his brother. Uh, Robin Dave Smith, maybe maybe it right. wasn't that, and it was against the the round four pairing, but yeah, definitely felt like there was, you know, I don't know how much Jeremy's played teams, but like that was like the second time I played teams, I think maybe third time ever, and so, I mean, I was complete fish out of water, but I definitely felt the struggle of like, all right, well I have this and I'm trying to do this, but when we played you guys the way that you had cards. So you had, um, what was the, the site that you guys occupied and was able to double up on? Um, oh, treacherous land, treacherous land. And yeah, so I guess we, we should have talked about or had a thing for staples and teams. And that's definitely well, one of them. <laughs> well, we can, we can, we can hit that in just a moment then before we wrap up, but all right. All right. I definitely felt like it was almost like I was on an Island. Jeremy was on an Island and we were trying to pair together stuff from our own deck to make rescue attempts or to make blocks. And we weren't really using 
things that the other player was putting down in territory. So mm-hmm. definitely understand. And you're a hundred percent right that we were doing our own thing, just doing the same own thing. Right. Yeah. And it's, I think it's good to note that, you know, banding isn't the only way to do it. There are cards that like, uh, you know, Susanna, she's got an X identifier. That's the number of NT females in place so, or NT female heroes in place. So if you and your, teammate are both playing you know NT female offense then your Susanna is going to get benefit from from that which you know obviously that's not a huge benefit or it's not like a game swinging thing but that's just kind of an example um also like the uh cloud joseph um that protects joseph gosh or I think it's goshen storehouse and other sons of jacob so you, know, you can um uh, that was one of the things that Justin and I tried. Uh, I think it was 2018 um, when we were doing a, a Zebulon offense. I guess like Zebulon and Benjamin, and you, know, you can have my or like one of our Joseph down, and he's protecting our uh, my teammates you know, Zebulon and, and Benjamin as well. Um, so things like that that you can just kind of look for that affect both and, and like Goshen I was saying before you know fortresses that can um, help both of your offenses to, you know get those things out early and um, you know help to uh, boost your your teammates offense as well as yours right so I guess now we'll kind of add this question in what are team staples so you mentioned that one I know that one was popular I assume that cards that kind of give a similar benefit would be just things that can give card advantage to both players from the opponent doing something. Are there are there any more like that? And then, I guess, what other staples are there that you know go in pretty much every team's deck? Yeah, I think, I guess I maybe should have thought about this before I, I said that it should be like a, a topic, but <laughs> um, so def- definitely, definitely treacherous land because like uh, we talked about how there are so many dominants being played in there. You know, it's, it's kind of like a two player game, but with 14 dominants in a, in a way. And so treacherous land is not only going to trigger off of all of the the multi-brigade good cards that people are playing these days, but also all of those dominants. And the dominants are going to be really what I think is the the main payoff. And then once you occupy Treacherous Land because it's a site, then it's shared and it triggers for both you and your teammate. And sites are also generic, so you can I can have Treacherous Land and occupy it, and you can have Treacherous Land and occupy it. And once you do that, then we're both drawing two for every dominant our opponent plays and every um, multi-read card they play in battle or good card they play in battle. So I think cards like that are, um, yeah, definitely staples. Um, you know, Bethlehem is another similar effect. Uh, it's a, if you play it as a fortress, it's going to be shared by you and your teammate. And so, you know, you can both draw off of that or one of you can reserve a hero to negate it that card and then um you know the other get the draw or something like that uh that one is unique though so you don't get it with both decks um but i think that 
yeah, look look for those kind of effects. Uh, the other cards are, I mean, probably arguably staples in, in Type 1, two-player. Most of them kind of translate over. So, um, you know, your, uh, of course, your dominance, which you don't really have to have all the, the slots for. Um, you know, cards like Delivered to help you set up in your intro prep and that kind of stuff can be very helpful. Um, and then also Sheol. Uh, I guess we talked about unity with lost souls. It's kind of the same with other stuff that's shared. So like Sheol has unity, evil characters that share a brigade. As long as all of my evil characters share a brigade, I can use Sheol. Um, and as long as all of your evil characters share a brigade, you can use Sheol. So we can both trigger Sheol when one of our opponent searches, um, unless we're in battle with them because then I think it's only the player that you're uh, is opposing you in battle is your opponent. Um, but yeah, uh, both getting you know to to underdeck lost souls like you know, it might seem a little strange or like not quite as powerful because you're um, you know you've got fourteen lost souls between the two decks and it's a pretty fast format so the lost souls are going to be out but if you're getting two under decks per search then you'd be surprised how quickly the lost souls can disappear and uh, I think it's important to note with the uh, the limit four rule. Um, yeah, that I was going to put you on the spot and ask you about it. <laughs> that, that that counts players or uh, individually, so I can use it. I can use shield four times in a turn, and you can use shield four times in a turn if we're on a team. Yeah, and you mentioned that shield getting two under deck two lost souls per search. You also keep in mind that depending on what brigades, and I know that side access is kind of they're going to have side access for the most part, but you're going to at least be putting the ones in treacherous land. So uh, to get the, the sites to be shared. So you potentially have those put in sites that maybe they have to work around and, you know, rescue with a hero that they wouldn't normally do. Mm-hmm. And then you get to, so I think that came up at one point in a team's game at some point down the line that I've played to where like, they were able to put up all the ones except for the ones in sites. And it's like, darn, now I've got to go in with this guy that can get to it. <laughs> so you're saying you weren't playing King Noah. <laughs> uh, I guess not at this time. Mr. Site Access I, himself. Yeah. So one other staple that I think is uh, worth bringing up for teams. Is Noah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's basically a staple in Type 1 two-player these days, so uh, maybe he fits, but uh, uh, choose the blocker heroes. Um, So I mentioned before that you and your teammate get to decide between yourselves who gets to block uh, when your opponent attacks. That option is taken away when one of you is forced to block. So... If I play the first sacrifice and look at one of my opponent's hands and they've got a whole bunch of defense and then, you know, maybe something else looks at my, the other opponent's hand or, you know, I'm not as scared as, as of what they might have. I can go out with my Abigail and uh, choose, you know, the, the player, one of their evil characters that doesn't have quite as much defense to block 
and now they're locked into the battle. So they are the ones who will have to defend. Uh, so I think that that's, I mean, uh, I would definitely say that choose the blocker heroes are a staple. That's part of what made Hidden Throne so good was with Elijah. And um, I think uh, we, we were running Azahel. I don't think we were running Ehud, but um, yeah, having that, having those available, uh, which also, I guess, probably implies that uh, Wall of Protection and or you know, other ways to protect your evil characters should also be staples in teams. Yeah, that's that's definitely uh, kind of the way that we knew that we had lost when you guys 5-0'd us in round one of Nationals last year. When you were <laughs> able to – I think you did the falling away play, but then you gave us a fool and then – or something like that. Basically, we were having to block without blocking. Or you guys – on one of your blocks used like um I, I don't I don't I don't remember what it was. But we very rarely got to choose who we were blocking with or, you know, have any any enhancements that we had that paired up with the brigade just in general. So like it was mostly just, all right, you beat us by the numbers, here's a soul and just do that right. over and over until you've like bludgeoned our pride away. <laughs> so That was actually the goal of the deck. It was yeah, not not necessarily to win, but just to make sure that John and Jeremy uh, didn't have any pride left by the end of the end of the game. Yeah, well, it it <laughs> worked. It worked. <laughs> so, um, I guess we'll get ready to wrap it up. That's just kind of, I guess, what I hope is kind of an in depth overview of what teams is as a format for people that have not played it yet, and maybe would be interested in it, but kind of want to, I feel like there's a lot of players before they try out some of these other formats, they like to have an idea of them, you know, mm -hmm. like a tangible, like idea of this is what to expect versus just, you don't know what to expect. Just get in there and try it. Like people like to know how things are going to go, or at least have an idea so that you don't sit down and then people start telling the, their teammate what's in your hand and you not know that that's something you can do. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, Hopefully this has been insightful for people that are new to teams or have not tried it out at all yet. So I've got one more thing that oh. I just thought of that sure. relates to uh, the like lost souls being shared. Uh, it's, it, that might be a little confusing to people and is certainly, I mean, it, it certainly is confusing. So I'll just take a minute to explain here. The lost souls that are shared and that have triggered abilities when they are drawn come into play that kind of stuff most of the time will work for both players so especially if it's if put in territory so like my um you know, if i draw exiles both players or both teammates are going to be able to activate that ability um, and they can do you know different modes of it as well uh, so you kind of have your own instance of the ability on lost souls like that uh, same sort of thing with lost souls that are if drawn because they were drawn, maybe not necessarily by you, but they were drawn. And the big exception, I guess, kind of so an example of that would be the prosperity lost soul. It's just if drawn, you can discard a card from it to draw two. So both you and your teammate would be able to do that. Uh, a big exception to kind of that idea is the lawless 
which says if you draw this card. So that one, you, you really just have to pay attention to the wording on the cards. I think Lawless is really the only weird one, um, but it's only works for the player who drew the card. Uh, they're the only ones who get to activate the ability. Uh, other Lost Souls that have ongoing abilities like, um, you know, Crowds, that's going to work for both you and your uh, teammate. Same thing with Humble. Um, then also uh, Distressed is kind of a weird one because you you might think like it, it says negate characters in other territories. Well, if, you know, if it's in my territory, would that negate characters in my teammates' territory? That was something that there was confusion on for a while, and I think it was the other way for a bit, but the way that it works currently is other territories counts only the territories that Distressed is not in. So if you have Distressed, it does not negate your teammates' characters and territory because it's also in their territory. Yeah, I remember that one coming up at Nationals. Let me yeah. ask you, just since you brought up souls that kind of have... Um, intricate like layering and and how they work for each player and mm -hmm. how they might not. How does imitate work? Does each player get to to change the ability of that in their upkeep? I kind of assume they would. As soon as you started uh, talking, or as as soon as you said like souls with intricate abilities, I was like, oh, he's going to ask about imitate, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> at least I'm. At least I'm. You know, following into. The, the right mindset, you know, trying to get yeah. in the mindset of a previous national champion and team. I'm asking the right <laughs> questions. There you go. Yep. Um, so that one, I guess I, I okay, assume go, it would. Now you can go ahead and call Marcus. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We've got that one and three woes, which I assume they work the same way because they're both upkeep triggers that are shared and. So on my upkeep, I would get to copy the special ability of another New Testament Lost Soul for one round. And so that does like target another Lost Soul. So as soon as it's your turn, the question is, does it, does it change my target to like, so I guess, is it the player targeting or is it the card targeting? Um, yeah. You know, if the cards, the, the card you would think could only have one target, but um the, the player players might be able to have their own targets. So I'm not actually positive how that works based on our unsureness of how three woes <laughs> works. Um, okay. So as my buddy Brad would say, when he's on the podcast, everyone's got homework. All right. We yeah. as a community have homework. We've got to figure out how three woes and similar abilities, which is also on imitate each upkeep. You may, and now they're shared, so both players can do that. Figure out how they're they're ruled officially. So yep. at some point, we'll circle back, and I'll provide the answer. Maybe on next week's podcast, I'll I'll find the answer, or I'm sure the conversation will start at some point in the Discord. Now that yeah. this this is going to be on the podcast, so your homework is that and chicken pictures. Yes, chicken pictures. Don't forget, everyone's got got the homework to find the first ever chicken picture and if it is not anna the elder i will have a prize for you which you know that brings me back to the prize that i owe someone so i am Welcome. pulling this up right now so i appreciate that's what i'm counting as your reminder <laughs> nice all right so i am ready to announce the winner and 
I couldn't choose one. I chose two. All right. We've got Joe Schaefer for his comment that the special guest would be Jaden Alstead, which just a week late, right? Announcing <laughs> that Jeshua does not, in fact, belong in every deck. So I, I would never say such a thing. Yeah. That's, but yeah, then that was, that was a good fake one, Joe. That was that was good. But then a good follow follow up additional fake one is Rob Smith said Jaden announcing some things actually don't seem good. Eh, seems good. So for those two, I am going to give you an award. And the award is going to be that you can pick any pack of cards. I will send you a booster pack of any cards that are currently available from Covenant Games, which is the sponsor for the podcast. So I got to get my sealed product from those guys. So any packs that they have in stock, tell me what pack you want, and I will send you a pack of redemption cards for just throwing out a, a, a fun little, you know, stab at a funny guest sham. That's not bad. And if I were you, I'd be smart about it and get LOC super packs. But that's just me. I'd say that seems pretty good. So you guys, let me know which cards you want. That's Rob Smith, Joe Schaefer. Let me know. Reach out to me. Send me a message. Send me your address, and I will get those ordered from Covenant Games. So we'll get ready to wrap up the podcast here. want to thank you, Jaden, for coming on and sharing some of your wisdom about how not to lose at nationals in teams yeah we gotta um, get, get people stuck. ready to to beat josh at, at nationals yeah well and and i guess john and jeremy i don't know maybe maybe and <laughs> and john and ron maybe who knows oh yeah maybe. <laughs> well, thanks for having me john it was a good time yep and i guess just a quick reminder again you got 30 days nationals will be here in 30 days so it's Make like sure you pre-register, and you do have the incentive that is going to be given out to you to get your first site event paid for if you register before the 15th of July. So make sure that you guys do that if you're coming. And I guess all aboard the hype train, let's keep going. Choo-choo. Right. Wait, no, you got to play the Derek one. Sorry. Choo-choo. Here comes that hype train again. There we go. <laughs> All right, talk to you guys later. Peace. All right, guys, that's going to do it for this episode of the podcast. I want to thank you for tuning in and giving it a listen. I want to thank Jaden for coming on and really working with me to help make an episode happen here last minute. Um, life has really caught up with me, so I want to thank him for helping make this happen. I want to thank you guys for listening like you do every week. And make sure you do your homework. First person to find a redemption card with a chicken that came before Anna the Elder. I've got a pack of whatever set that you want. So do that. Remember to register for Nationals. And we'll see you next week. Peace.